This morning we'll be examining God's Word from the book of Acts, chapter 3. In preparation for that, let's first of all read from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. The miracle we read about in Acts chapter 3 is, reminds us of miracles that Jesus has done, and in fact we'll see that it's done in the name of Jesus and by his power. So as a background to that, let's read from the miracles that Jesus does in Luke chapter 7, verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things, which is miracles that Jesus has been doing. And John, calling two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour, he cured many of their infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Let's also turn to the book of Acts. And we'll read from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 37, and then we'll read to the end of chapter 3. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. So this is following the sermon of Peter that he gave on Pentecost. Now when they heard this, Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And here begins our text. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the, feet of the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. 
And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked into and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us, as though by our power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets, from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. So far the reading of God's holy word. And this morning we'll be focusing especially on chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. In response to the preaching of the word, we will sing from hymn 73, stanza 1, 2, and 3. (laughs) 
Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, last week we celebrated Pentecost. Perhaps you remember the Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out with power, when Peter preached his powerful sermon and many people repented and were baptized. Well, what happened after Pentecost? Well, this morning we're going to see that that power which we saw at Pentecost is continued because Jesus has ascended into heaven, but that doesn't mean that he is completely absent because he is still working from there through his spirit, and his name is still the most powerful name. And that's something that we need reminding of, don't we? The power of Jesus' name. Don't we often have a diminished view of his power? Our view of our risen and ascended Lord needs to be continually magnified and brought into reality, conformed to the reality of who he is. And so in our text this morning, even though the Spirit has just been poured out with such power, with such extraordinary signs, many people cannot imagine just what this power means or what this power will be able to do, what it means for the witness of the apostles. And we can see this especially in the story of the lame man. Both the lame man and the crowds had a diminished view of the power of Jesus' name. And so this morning, we're going to look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10, with this theme, in the name of Jesus, a lame man leaps. We'll first of all see that he requests a small step, but then that he receives a giant leap. In the name of Jesus, a lame man leaps. Our text tells us that it was the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And people often used this time to go to the temple and pray. They prayed in the morning and they prayed in the afternoon around three o'clock. And this is what Peter and John were doing. They were going to the temple to pray. And as they went up to the temple, it, alongside them in the crowd was another man being carried. Let's zoom into this man briefly. We learn later that he was over 40 years old and that he'd been lame from birth. Just think about that for a minute. Boys and girls, if you're 10 or 11, think about how many running races you've run in in school, the track and field, or a cross-country run. This man had never been able to run a race in his life. He'd never been able to climb a mountain. He'd never been able to, to work for his own living. He always had to come here to this temple and beg. And on top of that, did you know that he was never allowed to enter into the temple? Because lame men were barred from entering into God's presence. So he's not allowed to worship God in the same way as everyone else. He could only sit outside the temple gate watching while people stream past him into the temple as he begs for his existence. And so when he sees Peter and John, naturally he holds out his hat hoping for a few more coins to keep carving out his meager existence. Our text is clear, it says he asked for alms. But the lame man doesn't know that he is asking two men who have just received the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't know that he is asking two men who have just spent the last three years following Jesus of Nazareth, that they've been convinced of his continued, continued power. The lame man doesn't know that he's asking two men who have just been given the power of the risen Jesus, that Jesus is doing wonders and signs through them as we read at the end of chapter 2. 
He doesn't know that the two men standing before him are able to give him something that he's never had before, that they're able to give him perfect health. And so he asks for a few coins, arms, another donation, so that he can keep having enough food to keep living, so that he can keep coming here and begging just outside the temple he can never enter. Don't you think, brothers and sisters, that if he just knew who these two men were, things would be different? Don't you think that if he knew that these men had the power of Jesus, that he would have made a bold request? Well, don't we often make requests to God in a similar way? When we pray to God, do we understand the power of the one whom we pray to? The power of the risen Lord Jesus, which he gives to us through his Holy Spirit. Martin Luther once reprimanded Erasmus in a letter. He said to him, your God is too small. He accused Erasmus of putting God into a box, of not understanding the awesome and expansive power of God. You know, the lame man didn't know whom he was addressing, and so he made a small request And in the same way, if we don't know the power of God, then we will also ask for only small things, a small step instead of a giant leap. And so let's pray, first of all, that we will come to know the power of God more fully. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the eyes of their hearts would be opened. We prayed this prayer this morning as well. The eyes of their hearts would be opened so that they would know the immeasurable greatness of of God's power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working of his strength. Ephesians 1.19. This is the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Because when we understand God's power more fully, then we will know that we can be bold in our requests to him. In this light, the Catechism teaches us that the first petition is, first of all, a prayer to rightly know God. Lord's Day 47, grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you. So let's pray that we'll come to know the power of God more fully. And we can be confident that he will hear us when we pray in that most powerful name, the name of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's what Jesus has promised. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that we can pray in Jesus' name as, as a magical formula, magic words to receive whatever we want. But praying in Jesus' names means that we pray in accordance with everything that his name stands for. 1 John 5 says that this is a confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so we pray in the name of Jesus, according to his will, and then we can be confident that he will hear us, and so we come boldly to him, confident in his almighty power toward us who believe. So let's continue to grow in knowledge of the God whom we pray to, That increasingly our prayers are informed by a knowledge of who God is, of what he has done for us, and what he is able as a willing and faithful father to do for us, and to do for the spreading of his kingdom. 
The lame man didn't imagine leaping because he didn't know whom he addressed. He didn't know the power of God which could come to him. And so what about us? Do we know the power of God in our prayer? Or do our prayers lack imagination at what the power of God can do? Because although the lame man is asked for a small step, he's given something that he never asked for, something which surpassed his wildest dreams. Peter and John look intently at the lame man and they, they called him to look back at them. They made eye contact. Peter and John fixed their eyes on them and said, look at us. And then Peter said these astonishing words. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Imagine the shock, the surprise of this lame man as Peter took his hand, not to to give him a few Roman coins, but to lift him to his feet. For the first time in his life of more than 40 years, blood rushed through his legs and his knees and his ankles held strong. They supported him. He didn't crumple back to the ground as as he must have done countless other times. But his knees were strong, his ankles firm. Imagine his astonishment as he crouched down and then sprang back up into the air. Perhaps you've been bedridden or broken a bone, broken a leg, and then been able to, unable to walk for some time. I'm sure you remember that it took time to, to rebuild your strength After your bones were healed, then your muscles had to rebuild their strength. They had to regrow. It's a long and slow process, just like when a baby begins to walk. It needs to be growth. His muscles had never had that strength. But this man, one moment he was lame, and the next moment he leapt. The miracle exceeded his expectations by far. The man who had to be carried up to the temple became like a newborn calf, skipping in the fields, trying out his new legs. And what a demonstration of the power of Jesus' name this is. Peter and John were clear about this. They didn't heal the man with their own strength, with their own power, but as ambassadors of Jesus, as his witnesses. Peter said in his sermon later in the chapter, Verse 16, which we read, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And later, in chapter 4, when they were questioned by the Jewish authorities, Peter said to them, If this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be made known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him. This man stands here before you, whole. And so from this miracle, it is clear that Jesus is still working through his apostles with his spirit. Because yes, he has ascended into heaven. But this miracle, which is reminiscent of the miracles that Jesus did, It shows to us the continuing power of his name, a power now given to the apostles as they carry out the task of witnessing his name to the ends of the earth. Let's just back up a little bit and think about the miracles of Jesus. 
Because when he was on earth, he performed miracles as proof that he was the Messiah. We read earlier from Luke chapter 7. And John the Baptist challenged Jesus. As John sat in, in prison, he heard stories about Jesus healing. And he'd expected Jesus to come with judgment. And Jesus had responded to John's challenge by healing many blind and also many lame people. And then he said to John's disciples, Tell John what you have seen and heard. The the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. All of these miracles, including the miracle of lame men walking, these were fulfillment of prophecies which the Old Testament had made about the Messiah. In Isaiah 35, Isaiah prophesied that the lame man shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shout for joy. And so when Jesus healed the lame, he was proving that he was the Messiah. And this is what he said, responded with John's challenge. He quoted from Isaiah 35 and healed the lame to prove that he was the Messiah, that his name was the most powerful name. And so now when we see the apostles healing a lame man, and when we see this lame man leaping, it is proof of the continuing power of Jesus. As one commentator said, it was the hand of Peter, but the power of Jesus by which this man was healed. Jesus is still acting from heaven with his Holy Spirit. In fact, we could say that the whole book of Acts is the acts of the risen Lord Jesus. Because in Acts chapter 1, chapter 1 verse 1, Luke refers to the gospel he wrote as the former account of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, Acts 1 verse 1. So the implication then is that the book of Acts is the continuation of what Jesus continued to do and to teach. So Jesus is not absent in this book, the book of Acts, but they are his acts. He is the one powerfully working through his spirit in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. So we can be sure that the name of Jesus is not a name which which would rot away in history books. It wasn't a name that lost its meaning and significance as soon as Jesus died. No, this name is the name above all names the name to which every knee in heaven and on earth would bow. But what is it about the name of Jesus that makes it such a powerful name? Does his name have the power to give us a perfect health, as it did for this lame man in Acts chapter 3? Or if we believe in Jesus, will that make us wealthy? Well, perfect health is something that's certainly craved in our culture. We're bombarded with advice from dietitians about the latest plant-based diet or essential oil. And many things aim to give us perfect health. Our culture seems to be obsessed with it. So when we believe in Jesus, will that give us perfect health? Well, actually, the Bible never promises that believing in Jesus will fix all of our health problems. Creation itself is groaning in labor pains. 
And how often don't our bodies also groan in pain, longing for that day when the curse of sin is removed, when our bodies are no longer ridden with back pain, when there is no more Parkinson's or cancer or Alzheimer's. Many of us here know sickness all too well. And believing in Jesus will not take away the pain or the reality of ill health. It doesn't take away our wheelchair or our medicine cabinet. But the name of Jesus is powerful because it has power to save sinners from their sin. Peter says in Acts 4.12, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name Jesus actually means saviour because he saves us from our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else, as we confess in Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And when we trust in Jesus for our salvation, then we are overwhelmed by the riches of his grace. Just as this lame man in Acts 3 received the goodness of God far beyond his expectation, beyond what he could even imagine, so the riches of God's grace exceed far beyond our limited imagination, far beyond what we could even expect from his love for us, both now in this life and in the life to come. Because when you believe in Jesus as your Savior, he forgives every sin you have done, every unkind thought, every impure motive, every selfish desire, And he doesn't only take away the record of our sin as far as east from west extends, but he also gives to us the gift of his perfectly righteous life. And he adopts us as his children. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to live in our very hearts, to make our hearts a temple. The riches of God's grace far exceed what we could expect. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. This is what it means to believe in the all-powerful name of Jesus. He has never-failing power to save. So will you trust him to be your savior? The power of Jesus' name, which is demonstrated here in Acts 3, is it's further demonstrated throughout the book of Acts. Because through his spirit, he empowers his apostles to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. He gives them boldness to speak before the Jewish authorities. He gives boldness to Stephen, even so that he is stoned to death. And his name spreads, not only in Jerusalem, but to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, to Damascus through Paul. And then throughout Asia, Greece, and even as far as Caesar's palace. So the name of Jesus is powerful to save to the ends of the earth, to save Sudanese, Saudi Arabians, Brazilians, and our neighbors here in Owen Sound. His name is powerful because all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. And so we can lay our bold requests before God, pleading with him to save people from every tribe and nation, pleading with the Lord of the harvest to send men into his harvest as Jesus commands us in Matthew 9. We can pray for the salvation of our town here in Owen Sound, 
for our neighbors, co-workers, that God would reveal himself to them as the all-powerful Savior and that they would come to understand the power of Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I say to you, rise up and walk. We do not need to be ashamed of his name. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. Paul knew the power of Jesus' name, and so he was not ashamed. He told everyone about that name, that name which gave him life. And so nor is it a name that we should be ashamed of. Let's know the power of Jesus' name, and let's be witnesses of that power in the way we live our lives and in the way we speak and in everything. And finally, let's look at the response of of the lame man. Verse 8 says that he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Did you notice that he entered the temple? The barrier had been broken before when he was a lame man. He was not allowed in the temple. But now what had been previously denied access becomes open because Jesus has restored him to perfect health. He is able to worship in the temple. The barrier to his worship has been removed. And so now he can do exactly what he's been made for, praising God and living in communion with him. And so the lame man is an exhibit of joyful worship, of serving God with his all, his entire being. He was leaping in joy. And this is also a picture of what has happened to us. Just like the lame man, we were created to worship and to praise God. But our sin and rebellion against God drove us out of the garden, out of the temple. We were were not allowed to have access to God. Just like the lame man, we were not allowed to enter the temple. But through that powerful name of Jesus, the same name which breathed strength into the knees and to the ankles of this lame man, the barrier which existed between God and us is removed. Our sin is completely forgiven. The temple veil has been torn in two, and now we're allowed to worship God in his presence. In fact, it gets even closer. His Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and our hearts become temples. We're not barred from entering the temple, but our hearts have become a temple for the worship of the Lord. What a mystery and what a miracle. And so our text this morning, it shows to us the continuing power of Jesus' name, but it also gives to us a picture of perfect health as a preview of the perfect health and joy that we will one day experience. You might think of it like a movie trailer. It gives us a a preview of the movie, and it makes us excited to watch the movie. Well, here here we have a, a trailer for the New Jerusalem, a preview of the joy and the leaping that we will one day perform as we join that great crowd of worshipers worshiping the Lamb. Because there, in the New Jerusalem, there will be perfect health. All of the bodily problems that we experience now, the mental, physical, emotional problems, ill health, they will be gone. The aches and pains of daily life, perhaps you daily live in pain, they will all be gone. 
There will be no more COVID, no more need to take medication, no more muscle pain, no more weak bones, no more degenerative diseases. Listen to these words from Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall be there mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And then in the new Jerusalem, our worship will be complete and full. Then God himself will be our temple. We can worship him face to face with all our being, just like the lame man walking, leaping, and praising God with the joy oozing out of us. What a wonderful future that we have awaiting for us. And so what about now? Well, now we still live with pain and we don't have complete health. But as we worship God, we experience a small foretaste of that heavenly joy. Lord's Day 22, we already feel in our hearts the beginning of eternal joy. And we will, after this life, possess a perfect blessedness, such as no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived, a blessedness in which to praise God forever. We already begin to experience this now, when the Spirit of God works new life in us and our hearts become more and more a temple for God's praise. And so our reaction can be the same as the reaction of the lame man. We can thank and praise God for the wonderful salvation He has given to us through the powerful name of Jesus. His Spirit has been poured out. His name is being spread to the ends of the earth. And he will return to gather his people to himself. And so we can praise him with great joy, thankful for the wonderful salvation he has given us, and joyfully looking forward to that great day when we will have perfect health and when we will worship him in his very presence, warping, walking, leaping, and praising him. Amen.